Well, Oregon State and Washington State would certainly love to find their way into a Power 5 conference here, but if that doesn't happen, the Mountain West is their best option. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked on Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and mostly team-free and below the Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show. We hit, wait for it, 3,500 on YouTube for subscriptions. You know what I think? I believe. I believe if you just hit the subscribe button, we can get to 4,000 before the season starts. Let's make it happen, people. So the Beavs and the Cougs would like to make something happen on the realignment front that is positive, and it is utterly unclear at this time what that's going to be. They've had conversations with the Big 12. I'm sure they've called the ACC. They've been asking around, and nothing is materialized. And they're kind of waiting on Cal and Stanford. But another option is for the pack to just rebuild. But even if the pack rebuilds, Somehow, it's currently the Pac-4, Cal, Stanford, Oregon State, Washington State. I'm unsure how, in the eyes of the college football world and of the playoff committee, they could be viewed as a power conference that would get an auto bid if you were the conference champion. I, I, I don't know how you could possibly retain that in a league that would, at the very least, eight teams are required. You need at least eight teams to be a conference in the eyes of the NCAA, so a team that would be made up of at least 50% schools that were G5 in 2023, I'm not sure how that would suddenly be when the other schools are also Stanford and Cal, who were under 500 last year, and then Washington State and Oregon State, who were both good teams. I don't know how that's a power conference that if you win, you get one of the, uh, the, the bursts in the college football playoff. There have been reports that they're examining that. I think they're waiting to see what plays out, but I, I just don't see a path in which that, that can be the case. So, Let's say that Oregon State and Washington State don't wind up finding a power conference. The Big 12 doesn't take them. The Pac doesn't rebuild and keep that label. I think the Mountain West is the best option for them. Now, that doesn't mean it's the best option ever. It's the best of a bad situation, making lemonade out of lemons, so to speak. That's what the Mountain West would be. So another suggestion that I've seen thrown around or mention, reported, however you want to refer to it, rumor milled, is the American Conference. And if, if I were Oregon State and Washington State, I would go to the Mountain West before I went to the American. And here's why. You're looking for a conference, and this is why Oregon and Washington ultimately chose the Big Ten and everybody else then uh, joined the Big 12, and why Colorado at first left for the Big 12, is they're seeking stability. I think schools at some level are getting tired of this stuff. I think they are ready to just concentrate on athletics, to not constantly worry about conference affiliation and realignment and where they're going to be. I think they want at some level stability, and I think it helps your programs and your athletic department when you are able to do that. And when I look at the American Conference and I look at the Mountain West Conference, I think you have far more stability in terms of teams coming in and out of the league in the Mountain West than you have in the American. 
The American just had a bunch of turnover as well. The American just lost Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. They have Tulane in there, the reigning American Conference and Cotton Bowl champion. That's a good brand to have in there at the moment. We'll see what they do. Because they went 12-2 and a year after they went 2-10. and Was it a flash in the pan or is this sustainable? We're going to find out. Can SMU become a great team in the American Conference? We haven't seen it yet, but they've got the money and they want to be Power 5. Can they prove it in the next few years that they should get an invitation? We're going to find out. Because I don't think the Pac-4 rebuild, though possible, is the most likely outcome here. So when you look at the American Conference post-Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF, and you look at the Mountain West which hasn't lost anybody among their major brands lately. I think the Mountain West is a stronger conference to be in because here's what you're looking for if you're Oregon State and Washington State, trying to make the best of a bad situation. You know what the upside of potentially being relegated to a G5 conference is? You might have better access to the playoff because you have better access to a conference championship, especially in the early years of joining that league. I mean, in 2024, let's say Oregon State, Washington State wind up in the Mountain West. How are they not going to be the favorites? I know that Fresno State and Boise State and San Diego State can compete and maybe someone else can you know, flash up in that league. But how in the world are the schools that played a Pac-12 schedule the season prior not going to be the favorites? Now, the flip side of that coin is I watch Washington State get handled pretty badly in the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. They'd lost both coordinators, though, and I thought that might happen. By the Mountain West champions in Fresno State. So it's not a given. But are they going to be favorites? Yeah, of course. And so if you're looking at the future structure of the playoff, right now, once they get to 12 teams, they're going to have the the six highest-ranked conference champions and six at-large spots. If what I think will happen comes to pass, no matter what happens with the pack, and they lose their A5 or Power 5 status, and they aren't given a basically an auto bid to the conference champion for football, then what will happen is you'll have the four highest-ranked conference champions, which will be of the four power conferences, and one G5. And as I look at the landscape of where those G5 conferences currently are, I think the Mountain West gives you the best opportunity and gives you a better opportunity than than the American, and I think gives you more stability as well. Because I look at SMU and Tulane, and they've been mentioned in realignment circles. Now, so too have Boise State and Fresno State, though not as seriously as, as some of the other schools. Or even, you know, one of the new members of the American Conference, Rice, is already mentioned as a potential candidate for the PAC. They could be a target for the ACC. Maybe the Big Ten would go get them one day. I don't know. Again, I'm not saying rise to the Big Ten. I'm just thinking academically, they are, they are an elite power. And that clearly carries some weight because Stanford and Cal came up one vote short of getting into the ACC. And Oregon State and Washington State, they didn't even have a vote held. And who were the better football teams last year? Oregon State Washington State combined to go 17-9. and nine. Cal and Stanford... Combined to go, what are they, 4 and 8, 3 and 9, what is that, 7 and 17. So it's, it's, it's about a, n- a number of factors there. But as I look at the Mountain West, I think especially when you add Oregon State and Washington State into the fold, that becomes the premier G5 brand in college football. And I think the winner 
of that conference will have an auto bid to the 12 team playoff. I, I, I don't know how that's not the case. Now, an American team could pop up, sure, or, or, or maybe a Sun Belt there. But when you add Oregon State and Washington State, and potentially, though uh, they don't seem to really want to go Stanford and Cal into that league as well, then you are going to have a situation on your hands in which you are the strongest G5 brand in, uh, in, in the country. So I, I think that's, uh, that's, that, that's why the access is the, the, access is the, is the biggest reason. That's why I'd say if I'm Oregon State, Washington State, I would not want the American. I think it's more transient, less stable. And I think the brand and depth of competitive teams in the Mountain West is just, uh, is just overall stronger. A sports talk radio host in Seattle went on a fascinating rant that, that, that we should talk about. We need to talk about Nutrafol, though, because Nutrafol is going to help you regrow your hair. It's the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement, clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Go to Nutrafol.com men to take their health wellness quiz, identify causes of your thinning hair, and Nutrafol will give you a personalized plan for better hair health through whole body wellness. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, gotta go now, Nutrafol is offering listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping. That's a big one. When you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter promo code Locked On College, Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men, spelled N-U-T-R-O-L. R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men and enter promo code locked on college. That's neutrafol dot com slash men promo code locked on college to help regrow your hair today. The always essential second segment sip. So Dave Mahler, he's Dave Softy Mahler. I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Mahler. I apologize if that's incorrect was uh, was on the radio in in Seattle and I saw this rant flying around on uh, on on Twitter and the essence of it, you should go listen to it it's an impassioned and an impressive rant and he on the one hand laments that you know the Pac-12 had to be here but he is or that that Pac-12 got to this place but mostly is just so excited to be playing in the Big 10 He's, he's, he's so thrilled. He can't wait because you're going to have bigger conference and a bigger stage and bigger schools and not going to have the Pac-12 mismanagement and all this sort of stuff. And that's the part that stood out to me is he highlighted in his reasons as to why he's excited to go to the Big Ten is how many years have we complained about the Pac leadership, things like officiating or the media deal or exposure or the way the conference is, is run in a variety of other areas. How many years have we complained about that? As Pac-12 fans, I'd say it's been quite a long time. We've done it on several occasions. I'm not denying that whatsoever. Where I think he missed the point, at least in my view, of how to see this whole situation is he makes correct points about the leadership of the PAC because everything I talked about on yesterday's show, the PAC-12 presidents have just been the principal architects in overseeing the mismanagement of this league for a long time that have gotten it to the point where it is and where it is going to be or perhaps just not be. To be or not to be is the PAC's question, but it's really a not to be uh, in, in the grand scheme of things, as I said earlier, no matter what happens and what kind of move they could potentially make. But what I would have liked to have seen, because I do understand that argument, and I think it's legitimate, that, hey, other leagues are better run. 
Other leagues get more consistent fan support. Other leagues do things better than the pack has for a long time in a variety of areas. I think that's true. That doesn't mean, however, that it always had to be that way. Like, what I would like to have had happen is for the Pac-12 to be able to stay together, to have been better run from the start, to usher in an era of better management and orchestrating a conference that looks more like the other ones because it's capable of being that, but it just hasn't been run well, and the leadership is certainly an issue with that. And I, I just wish that things had played out differently. Of course, everydayers know that, that I, in no way, obviously, hosting this show, though I'll you know figure something out. I don't know what that's going to be yet, but... That, that, that I wish that the pack had been able to survive, that I wish it had been able to continue. I also understand and recognize the factors and decisions that were made that went into getting us where we are now. But to me, the solution is not, let's just blow it up and start all over and go to a different league and play teams that nobody cares about and put all this extra travel on student athletes and on the uh, on the fans as well. Like that's not my ideal solution. My ideal solution is, hey, let's run this better. Let's do it the right way. So I'm not a live golf fan. I, I and I'm a huge golfer. Huge golfer. I watch golf. I was watching the playoff at the FedEx St. Jude over uh, over the weekend when uh, Lucas Clover beat Patrick Cantlay. Uh, and whatnot. And like, I, I watch a lot of golf, not just the majors. I watch every single major. I watch a lot of non-golf events. But my biggest beef with Liv was the players, you know, they claimed, which I always thought was kind of bogus. They claimed, well, you know, we're just, we want to get away from the PGA Tours management. We want to go to a league that's run like this and make these changes and, and everything like that. But the, the, the media reaction, like they went for the money. We all know. And a lot of the media reaction who supported them was, well, the PGA Tour hasn't been well run and they don't do this well. I mean, look, Live Golf pays their caddies. You know, they pay their ca- They do this stuff well. They guarantee all this sort of stuff. And I'm sitting here going, okay, I would like to, I would have liked to have seen the PGA Tour make adjustments on that front to become a better run organization because of the history and tradition that already exists within that league. I would rather you work within that structure rather than start a brand new one. We don't see this in any other sport. When Major League Baseball has a dispute with with the players union about contracts and salaries and free agency and everything like that, no one's ever suggested as the solution to Major League Baseball, who I think ha- have done some good things to make the game a more appealing product for both casuals and diehard fans. And I'm a diehard baseball fan, and I like that the games are sped up a little bit more. And I think that it's good for the television component of it, and it needed that because the television numbers were were going down. But the way that Major League Baseball runs the sport in so many ways is it just doesn't feel right. They make so many decisions, <clears throat> how they handled the Houston Astros debacle, that are just wrong. But when you disagree with an organization that already has an institutional framework and has a lot of history and tradition and things that are good about it, but there are things that need to be corrected, to me, the solution I would like to see is to just run that the right way so you protect everything that has grown to make the sport whatever it is 
the entity that it has become and the importance that it's had in people's lives. No one's ever suggested, hey, Major League Baseball is doing something wrong or I don't like this. Let's go start a different league. No one is doing that. But that's what's hap- that's what happened in golf. That's what's happening in college sports. The Pac-12 has been mismanaged. Solution, let's just leave. And the, 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 the power structures that be, that be maybe too difficult to overcome to, to make that sort of stuff happen. But I heard this rant from, from Dave Mahler, and I think he made some really, really good points. But that would be kind of my response to it is I would rather the pack have been able to stay together and been run correctly. Because, yeah, the pack has made a bunch of missteps that I talked about yesterday and I've talked about on the show for a long time, not just over the past year, but over the past 12 years or so. They made a lot of errors. And I would rather they govern it correctly rather than going to just join a new conference and starting this whole venture and whatnot. So when people ask me, well, aren't you happy that Oregon got into the Big Ten? I mean, yeah, sure, but I'm not happy why they felt forced to make that move of self-preservation, why they and Washington both decided to go. They felt forced to do it, like Colorado felt forced to go to the Big 12. And I wish it had never gotten to that point, but that's how we got here. So anyway, that's my rant on that. I think that's I think that's enough of that. So let's talk about some football here, shall we? I want to talk about some football. So every year there has to be somebody in the league that finishes last. It's got to be somebody. Like you just you you can't get around it. Every year, every year in the Pac-12, somebody finishes in last place, and this year. I think that team is going to be Stanford. That is not an indictment on Troy Taylor. That is not an indictment on the program writ large. I mean, well, maybe for the last few years or so. But it is not a statement of what the program can be. It's just what I think the team is this year. And I talked about another component of this yesterday that I am going to remain consistent with because it's what I believe, that in a league that has the best group of quarterbacks and the most depth at the quarterback position of any conference in the country. And it's not particularly close. If you are not strong at that position, I am going to tend to fade you as a football team in 2023. It's that simple. Because games can come down to, if you have everything evenly matched, but one quarterback is significantly better than the other. You know which team wins that game a majority of the time? It's the team with the better quarterback. It's the most important position. It's the most talked about position because it is the biggest position in all of sports. Touches the ball on every play. Only guy that does that. Unless you snap it directly to the running back, which we all know it just doesn't happen very often. So Stanford's quarterback situation is not great. They have a battle ongoing during fall camp right now between three guys who don't present a lot of excitement or potential per se. I, I know that Troy Taylor and uh, might, might be saying differently about you know what they like about the, the three different guys that they have in there, Ari Patu, Ashton Daniels, and then the transfer from, uh, fr- from Syracuse who, who's in there. But I, I just look at that room and say, if you don't know, and I was talking about this yesterday with UCLA, if you don't know who your quarterback is going to fall camp this year, I, I, I can't look at you and feel great about what's going to happen. Arizona State, for instance, 
Drew Pine gets injured during the scrimmage. Didn't love Drew Pine to begin with. Now they're going to have questions about whether or not he's healthy. Is it going to be Rashad? Is it going to be hit? Yeah, it could be a rough first year. It doesn't mean it's going to be rough from now until the end of time. Jonathan Smith in his first year won two games. He just won 10. These sort of things are going to take some time. And I think there's actually a similarity there because Oregon State took many years to build up and they didn't do it a whole heck of a lot with the portal. And guess what? Stanford's going to take several years to build up. And they are going to be able to do it very easily with the portal because of their academic restrictions. But guess what? We're seeing right now, Troy Taylor's showing you in 2024, Stanford can still recruit high school kids. That's still possible. And he looks like he's going to do that. He has a top 20 class last time I checked. We'll see where it ends up finishing in 2024, but off to a pretty good start on that front. I think they'll get off to a good start this year. They play at Hawaii in week one. They're just a nine-point favorite there, which is kind of telling because everybody else, when they play Hawaii, even on the road, and they're going to be like well into the double digits. So that's telling you, first and foremost, Stanford's not going to be anything close to a world beater this year. And I think Stanford is going to do something we haven't seen in the conference since 2017. I think they are absolutely positively ripe for it. I think Colorado was a year ago, the only school a season ago whose record prediction I not only got the record correct, but I correctly had every single game. Now, I, I, all, I, all I had to end up doing was pick the one game they would win, but hey, kudos to me because I got it done. I think Stanford is going to go winless in Pac-12 play this year. I do. They have the lowest win total in the conference. They've lost a bevy of starters. They can't bring in a lot of transfers, so they have to rely on kids who you know, might be ready to contribute, might not. But regardless, they weren't starting a year ago. And that team was not very good at all on either side of the ball outside of, you know, Tanner McKee at the quarterback position had, I think, some nice moments. But I've talked about what's going on in their quarterback room there. So I think they'll win at Hawaii because they're still a power five. And though it's a lower level power five school, I think a very low level P5 this year, they're still going to have a better roster than Hawaii, who's a low level G5 in the Mountain West. So I'll take them to beat Hawaii in week one. I don't know that it'll be pretty. I might take Hawaii to cover. That may be once we get the Pac-12 prime picks fired back up. And boy, do I need a rebound season after a rough opening campaign. I was like 48% last year. Mm, Not good. Got to get over. We got to get well over 50% this year, but might be taking Hawaii plus nine there at home. Then they play USC in week two. That's 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 a loss. That's a loss. Then they play Sacramento State. That's an FCS opponent. If there were ever a team that could lose to an FCS program this year, and it's ironically Troy Taylor, their head coach, it's his former program that he was just coaching. Yeah, that would be it. That's a top 10 FCS program going into the preseason, Sacramento State, playing over in the big sky. That's, uh, that's the one that I'd circle and be like, if an FCS team is going to win, there it is. That'd be the one. I think Stanford will get it done. And then from there, I think it's going to be carnage and tough times for the Cardinal. They're going to be looking for individual players that could be a part of next year's team. They're going to be looking to develop uh, maybe a quarterback, uh, depending on what they think they have in Elijah Brown coming in in 2024. And depending on what he decides to do, if, uh, if he changes his mind with regards to Stanford's conference affiliation. I don't know, but... USC, I think that's a loss. Sac State, I think it's a win. Then you have Oregon and Arizona and Oregon at home. Definitely don't think they're beating Oregon. Arizona would not be a huge upset, but I, I, I like the Wildcats this year. I have them going 7-5. and five. I think they're better in Stanford. I think they'll score more points. 
And I think that's always the number one key to victory. Uh, I do play-by-play for Southern Utah University and uh, Delane Fitzgerald, the football coach. I ask him every day uh, that when we talk before a football game, what's the biggest key to victory? He says the same thing every time, scoring more points than the other team. Teams that do that, it, the record history has indicated they win 100% of the time. I think those are losses. I think they're going to go at Colorado. I, now, I would I would want to pick them to beat Colorado, but at, at Folsom Field? Uh-uh, no. I think Stanford is you know, going to be at a talent deficiency in just about every game they play this year in Pac-12 play. And in fact, I would say every game because Colorado's brought in so many players from the portal. At Colorado, I think that's a loss. UCLA at home, Bruins have got too much talent. I think that's a loss. Washington at home, absolutely not. At Washington State, too tough to win in Pullman for the Cardinal. I'll take the Cougs. At Oregon State, they're not winning at Reeser. Cal, they lost last year. It's at home. Maybe they'll get up for the rivalry game. But I think that's a loss. I like Cal's team a heck of a lot more than Stanford's this year. And then they end the year with Notre Dame. And I think Notre Dame, a preseason top 15 team, is going to be able to beat them at the farm as well. So there will be chances for the Cardinal to win, but I, I just, this is a rebuild year. Expectations should be low from Cardinal fans, from Pac-12 fans across the board. I think they're going to be the first team since Oregon State in 2017, the year before Jonathan Smith took over. They went 1-11, and they were 0-9 in Pac-12 play. They're the last Pac-12 team in a full season to go winless in conference play. I think Stanford's going to do that this year. And it's just part of the process. You just have to accept it. It's just, that's the reality for Stanford. That's the way that it is. The absolute most I could see them winning in in Pac-12 plays two games. Between Arizona, Colorado, and Cal. Winning two of those would be like the best possible outcome. But I I don't think they're going to get one. I like all those teams more than that. So, Every conference has got a bottom dweller every year. I think it's Stanford this year. The preseason media poll agrees with me on that front. The Vegas betting odds agree with me on that front. I think the Cardinal are going 2-10. and 10. They'll go 0-9 in conference play. But guess what? In Jonathan Smith's first year, he went 2-10. and 10. He won one conference game. And last year, he went 10-3. and 3. This stuff takes time. And the Cardinal will need it. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.